Hi friends, I just wanted to issue a quick content warning before episode 5 begins. In it, I'm discussing with my friend Ross very openly a lot of things, including sex, TV shows that feature drugs, alcohol, partying, and sexual content. We also speak briefly about racism, homophobia, and various other things that he's dealt with growing up gay in a small southern town. If any of this feels uncomfortable or like it's not something you can deal with, please feel free to skip. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy my very first interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Small Town Sarah. This is episode five, and I finally have my very first guest on. Um, I'm going to let him introduce himself here in a moment, but first uh, I want to say that last week I talked a little bit about how I reached 50 listeners, and that meant that I will soon be able to start doing ads. I'm not sure when those ads are going to start, um, but uh, I do want to keep you guys informed about it and warn you when they happen because nobody loves ads. But like I said, they they allow me to make a little bit of money each time they play. So that'll give me a little bit of uh, room to start staying on my own two legs again. Um, All right. Well, um, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to my very first guest. who I'm very excited is here and let him introduce himself. Hello, my name is Ross. I use the he, him pronouns and identify as gay. All right. Well, Ross and I have been friends for, oh God, has it been like 10 years now? Yeah, that sounds about right. When you say it like that, it sounds like a long time. It does sound (laughs) like a long time. Um, But... Uh, yeah, we, uh, we've been friends for about 10 years. We met while we were both working at Barnes and Noble. Um, I think the first time I ever spoke to you, I asked you to help me put a book on a high shelf. That's my memory anyway. And, uh, the rest is history. We started hanging out and and now here we are 10 years later and we talk just about every week. And, uh, we uh listeners i just want you to know that we're pretty open with each other we're actually very open with each other so um there's no hold sparred here there's no censorship we're just gonna we're just gonna have some chats and uh i hope everyone enjoys themselves um okay well ross why don't you uh tell everybody a little bit about um you know, when you were a kid and when did you realize you were gay and what that was like kind of coming into that, you know, as whenever you did come into that um, and all and all those experiences? Yeah, so for me, it's hard to pinpoint the exact time in childhood because as far back as I can remember, it was always something that was there. Um, one of my earliest memories in elementary school is kind of the age group when everybody still thinks that the opposite sex has cooties <laughs> thinking that boys were cute <laughs> so yeah. i kind of just uh bypassed the ew cooties phase <laughs> and obviously at that time i didn't have any clue what any of that meant but 
it was always just something that was kind of there. In fact, whenever I did come out, my mom's reaction was that we had known since you were two. <laughs> so it was just kind of an obvious part of my personality. It was never something that my parents, I guess, tried to suppress in any way. So I was very lucky in that sense um, because they just kind of let me be the kid that I was rather than trying to conform things. Um, but then I came out in high school to select friends, not just kind of massively to the whole school because it was a very different time. Mm-hmm. I was 15 at that point. So it's been a while, but that was in the early 2000s. And I grew up in a um, very like Southern <laughs> high school with predominantly white students and very like kind of backwoods rednecks in the like worst sense possible so coming out super publicly in school was just not an option in my opinion yeah absolutely you gotta you gotta keep yourself safe you know first and foremost so I, I understand that part um all right. Well, you were saying that, you know, you, your parents were really kind of accepting of it. Um, were all your friends accepting? Did you feel like safe uh, doing it? Did you feel safe after you came out to people? What was that like? Yeah. Um, with the friend group that I had, there was another person in that group that was already out to everybody. So I definitely knew that they would be okay with it. I um, was dating a girl at the time, which made things a little more complicated because she was also in the friend crew. Um, But, you know, what's high school without a little drama? Uh, Nothing. Yeah, it was interesting in that sense. My, My mom was very, like, on board with things, and so was my dad. His big concern was how it would affect me. So he was very much under the impression of, be who you are but maybe you just need to like not tell people and it wasn't even from like a standpoint of him being ashamed of anything it was just a protective kind of Mm -hmm. maybe this would be easier if you just kind of kept it to yourself but in the high school kind of sense nobody in high school thought that I was not gay so everything negative that was going to happen was already happening yeah. So, so it didn't change anything in my life really, except for being able to kind of just be upfront with my friends and family. There was a couple of family members that I was really close to that did not respond in the most positive way. And we didn't talk for about a year. And then they finally got over it, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, it wasn't. It wasn't anything that kind of shook my world. Yeah. I, just because I never tried to hide my personality before coming out. So it was always just kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, well, you know, so you grew up, you knew this thing about yourself. Um, and I don't know, we grew up kind of in the same era, 90s and uh, early 2000s and stuff. What were the things you were, you know, reaching out to um, for entertainment? Like, what were you listening to? What were you reading? What were you 
uh, watching on TV that you felt um, where you were like maybe grasping for information or some uh, sense of community through? Yeah, uh, the biggest kind of shows during that part of like my high school years were definitely Queer as Folk and Will and Grace, which are very kind of different concepts of the gay world. But mm-hmm. those were the the two things that were the most prominent at the time frame. So those were the things that I really watched. I I was lucky enough that I was very comfortable with myself and who I was. So I didn't necessarily crave, I guess, the media part of it as much just mm-hmm. because I was blessed with being comfortable <laughs> unnecessarily. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, okay, so tell us a little bit about what it was like uh, watching Will and Grace and Queers Folk. Did you feel, was there like joy there? Was there interest there? Was there like... Um, oh, well, that's curious. Uh, what was it? What was it like watching those? Yeah, they they both kind of like tugged on different sides of things. It was both of them were just nice to see a positive angle because for anybody that was growing up gay in the early 2000s, late 90s, the majority of gay characters in the media weren't even really like that strong into the gay best friend character there were some of those but Mm -hmm. most I feel like most movies or television shows that had gay characters or were focused on gay characters were definitely the more negative spin of things like people coming out and being disowned by their family people getting AIDS all of that kind of stuff even like when Brokeback Mountain came out, the whole movie is about how these two people are in love and never get to spend their time together because they can't come to terms with it. And mm-hmm. so that was very much the tone of the time frame. So I feel like Will and Grace did a good job of showing kind of the joyful side of it. And so that was entertaining in that aspect. And then Queer as Folk was definitely the more sexual side of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which going through puberty and all of that kind of stuff was a refreshing take on it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yeah, I mean, if you're comfortable, let's talk a little bit about what that was like. I mean, you were already very comfortable with who you were and, you know, like very set in, in the feelings you were having. And obviously... Um, you know, when you're you're young, it's not about sex. It's just about a this kind of like, oh, I like this person. Um, but then as you go through puberty and everything, you know, sex becomes more of like the focus. I mean, not the focus. Uh, that's the wrong word. But more of like, a, oh, wait, I'm also having these sexual feelings in my body about um, about this person. Uh, so what was that like was that like oh my god now I'm starting to feel this or it was it just like a natural progression for you how did it all feel yeah I feel like it was just kind of a natural progression um the best way I can describe my parents were hippies that never grew out of the hippie phase (laughs) and so luckily they were very comfortable 
with a lot of things that I feel like most parents would not have been. Um, at the time frame of when Queer as Folk was actually on television, it came on Showtime. And for anybody that's younger, cable used to not be available in every room of every house. <laughs> and so in order to watch Showtime, I had to be in the living room because we didn't have cable in any other rooms. And my parents were completely comfortable with me watching it. Uh, it did seem like every time that they managed to walk in the room was during the raunchiest scene possible. <laughs> of course. But, but I was able to kind of explore that kind of stuff without them being weird about it. Even before coming out, it wasn't one of those things where like every time a sex scene came on that was gay or straight where they were like, oh, you need to cover your eyes. Like, mm-hmm. Obviously, I wasn't just allowed to watch like straight up like softcore porn, but they <laughs> yeah. were fine with like the movie aspects of it to a degree. And so I was never like shamed on that kind of thing, which allowed me to really kind of go into all of that. I was also lucky to have people in my friend group in high school that were also gay and then friends that were comfortable with all of that. And so I think it was just kind of a natural progression of just the feelings being there, but that it never feeling weird, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I've, like I, we said at the beginning, I've known you now, I guess, I think it's been 10 years. It's gotta be 10 years. And I yeah. know that you're, you know, you're, you your the things you like are very like colorful and busy and exciting and things like that um were you always like did you always dress in these bright colors you said that you grew up in this like very redneck southern area um did you used to have to like kind of hide that part and then if that if yeah if you did hide it did you ever when did you start feeling like you could start being on the outside who you were on the inside too I probably should have tried to hide it a little bit, but I did not. I have always been a more is more maximalist type of person. Um, I I will say the the clothing choices that you have known me in are probably more tame than they were when I was in <laughs> high school in those younger age. I so I'm actually at a point in life where I'm trying to get back to how little I cared at that point because I still don't care a lot but I can definitely tell that the edges have been softened over my personality over the years mm-hmm. and so I'm actively like trying to get back to that point but one of my friends that ended up being my ex-girlfriend when I came out and we <laughs> stayed friends um our birthdays were both in May and so we would have a swimming party at her aunt's house like a combined thing because it was like the time of the year where it was warm enough and all of that and I used to basically wear speedos that had mesh on them (laughs) (laughs) before I was 18 so nice yeah I I definitely was never afraid to just kind of explore all of that stuff I, I definitely got a lot of looks and things but I got all of that stuff anyway, so I figure you might as well enjoy your time because people are going to judge you regardless. It doesn't matter what you do, so Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. But 
my wardrobe was always super colorful. I, I also feel like for most gay people, there's like a phase right after coming out where you just wear the least amount of clothing possible. <laughs> and I definitely went through that phase uh, so much so to the point where like I had a couple of like shorts where I cut them off and my parents were like, you're not leaving the house. <laughs> but it's like, I feel like people are just suppressed for so long that they overcorrect to the most extreme. And then yeah. you kind of find the middle ground that is truly your personality but yes, the lots of color, lots of skin. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny because you know, listeners, I'm pretty much the exact exact opposite. Like, <laughs> I I'm like the darker the color, like one color. You know, black is my main go to, and um, so every time I do wear a, like a color, I always like let Ross know about it right away and he's like well good for you like <laughs> that's my everyday like night shirt like, whatever um yeah I my personality is like and if you've seen Legally Blonde where she's like pink is her signature color mine is till my hair is currently that color it is throughout my entire life and that's probably one of the most unmuted colors you can get yeah <laughs> will and grace and queers folk was back then um let's talk a little bit uh about more recently what what have you been watching that uh that i guess like you know you feel connected to so this one is not a unique experience based <laughs> off of all of the feedback but heart stopper is a was a big show this year and it's everything that like the younger version of me would have loved to have because as much as I enjoyed Will and Grace and Queer as Folk at the time when I was watching it I was in high school so obviously my life did not have a lot of parallels with those (laughs) yeah and even growing up Queer as Folk is still something that I have watched periodically over the years again something I still enjoy but I have never like used drugs alcohol smoking all of that kind of stuff and I've never been a big club person so the kind of core foundation of a lot of those episodes is not something that I specifically have ever identified with whereas Heartstopper is more of one of those shows that is just like the pure joy of your first love and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so that's been one that I've really enjoyed okay well I I personally love Heartstopper as well I know that it's like worldwidely loved by everybody um uh were there are there certain like specific characters or, or scenes or parts that you felt most connected to or felt like you most like oh hey that that happened to me too Um, not anything, like, as a whole. I definitely feel like a lot of the show, just time-wise, has changed some experiences Mm -hmm. because technology and things are a very different aspect. I can't imagine being a teenager of any sort, much less part of the 
gay community and having to have social media and stuff at all times. Yeah. But um, I think that Charlie's character is a nice one because he's just so kind of true to who he is in certain points and very much just kind of allows himself to dream even when him and all of his friends think it's unrealistic. I feel like most people that are attracted to the same sex in any capacity have definitely had a crush on somebody that was not attracted to the same sex. (laughs) And so that's a very like milestone part of life. I, one of the things for me too that I feel like the show did really well is just the variety of representation, not only within the like gay community, but even just different ethnicities and things like that. Because shows in the 90s and 2000s, the cast were predominantly the same ethnicity regardless of what that was. Mm-hmm. But all of the main characters on Queer as Folk were white, And at the time, that wasn't significant to me as a white person, but as somebody that tries to be outside of my own bubble, I recognize how that kind of representation on a show like Heartstopper could very much affect people that are not like that. And Mm -hmm. they can see themselves in a multitude of characters and races, and it's not just all in this tight little box. And I mean even the background characters on that show have a multitude of things. I think I mentioned to you once during a conversation that like on the sports day, there's like somebody like in the background that has vitiligo, which is not Mm -hmm. something you ever see on television. And it's such a like minor point, but it was something that stood out to me. So I could imagine somebody that has that condition noticing that. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think Heartstopper is, you know, one of those shows that, um, uh, you know, did representation you know, in some of the best ways, you know, I've ever seen. And, you know, it's this show about teens. And uh, I just, I agree. I think they did it beautifully. I think they, the thing too is like, I think they did it with a lot of respect. There was just like respect in the way they did everything. Nothing was like, oh, look, we're doing this thing. Oh, look, you know, Tao's Asian. Oh, look, you know, we've got a trans character in here. It wasn't ever, like, a big deal. It was just, like, kind of, this is just who these kids are, period. You know, like, nobody gets to argue those facts because they are just facts. And I I really appreciated that a lot as well. Exactly. And I, I think, too, that it never felt forced. I feel like when a lot of shows or movies are trying to show representations it doesn't feel natural a lot of times and can feel very awkward and mm-hmm. things um both of us obviously have been fans of Grey's Anatomy over the years <laughs> but there's clearly times where you're watching an episode where you're like they're trying to make a moral point which yeah. isn't a bad thing but i feel like when it's done more naturally people are more accepting of it that may not have been previously rather than just having a message shoved down their throats. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I feel like, I mean, I love Shonda Rhimes, and I think she did, she handled every message she shoved in our faces beautifully, um, but there was always, like, a 10-page, you know, spread in Entertainment Weekly about that one episode and why it was so important, because yeah. it was, like, so in your face, but, um, yeah, I, I'm uh, in agreement. I think just the more natural that things can be in somewhere you know it's like when I read these books that are you know the character is queer and it's not like a big deal there's nobody has a crisis about it it just is period I think those are those are some of the best so yeah I think Heart Supper does a beautiful job yeah another show that I feel like did it effortlessly as well was Schitt's Creek and yeah. actually watching interviews, they made a decision that they weren't going to have it be an issue. They wanted it to be like just a natural part of everyday life. And that's why there was never the homophobia and that kind of stuff was because they decided not to show that aspect of it. Because I feel like a lot of people experience that kind of stuff, but a lot of people don't as well. And if you were to take all of the movies and shows from 20 years ago, it makes it seem like every gay person is going to have a hate crime. Yeah. And thankfully that is not the case. That's not to discredit the fact that that is a real thing, but my husband, whenever we were first dating, we were walking down like a strip of this area in a small town and somebody like yelled a slur out the window and to me it was just kind of a normal part of life and it for him it was the first time he had ever experienced that and he was a grown man Mm -hmm. and so that's like a perfect example of the fact that people's experiences are definitely not the same even though we were born and raised four hours apart Mm -hmm. like you can have a very different experience and so I I like it when it shows more of like the everyday life rather than all of the negatives or a combination of both because Queer as Folk was one where they had a lot of ups and downs in the show and characters did have like bashings and things like that but then it also showed the other side of it and I feel like a lot of media tends to go one way or the other mm-hmm. yeah I agree I agree um I also totally agree with you about Schitt's Creek I think they did a beautiful job and I think things like that and and shows like Heartstopper and um even Sense8, which is, I think everybody that listens to my podcast and everybody on Instagram knows is one of my all-time favorite shows, does really well as, like, you mean, you know, Sense8 is a little bit of a sci-fi world, but these shows don't ever make a big deal out of it and they show what the world could be where it's just everyone just kind of accepts the fact that these people are who they are. Um, and, And I don't know if it's a realistic, you know, idea of what the world could be, but I think that there can uh, be communities or pockets in the world where these things really happen. And I, I think that's really important for people to see, especially people in younger, in the younger generations. I, I know for 
Um, I watched a small documentary on Schitt's Creek and they, they read a letter that was um, sent to them about from this Facebook group of moms for gay that had gay kids and how important it was for their kids to see just like a totally accepting version. And um, uh, I, so I think I agree with you. I think it's, it's a great show. I think things like that are important. Um, And again, like you said, it doesn't, doesn't ever discount or throw away the fact that um a everybody has different experiences but also b that you know there's a lot of darkness in 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 the gay community you know i mean there's negative things that can happen you know um but i think they just they show a really beautiful idea um and i think that's something that we need you know i mean no matter how old you are but you know like i said especially that younger generation are just figuring things out they need to see joy they need to see the joy of it too yeah i agree i i also think that the more natural like everyday life versions of them will probably be the most impactful for like everybody as a whole Because some middle-aged straight person in the middle of America that's never encountered gay people is clearly going to have a very visceral reaction to something Mm -hmm. like Queer as Folk. But something like Schitt's Creek or Heartstopper, I feel like they could watch and not be like offended to the point where they're just not giving it a chance because it is done so naturally Because if you take very, very gay-centric shows, there's going to be a lot of nudity and, like, sex and things like that, um, which is important for that community to experience. But that's clearly not going to be the thing that sways the middle-aged person that has never done or been around anything like that. And so... I think sometimes the more subtle statements can be the most impactful because anytime somebody sees something that is very jarringly against what they're used to, they're probably going to turn it off. Yeah. And I feel like everybody has some accountability in that where if something makes them uncomfortable, they immediately just kind of shut down. Yeah. And, And so kind of approaching it with a, a lighter touch is more likely to get those people to be like, oh, let me give this a shot. But then at the same time, like you said, it's beneficial for like the younger generations that are identifying with it to be like, oh, this can be a real life thing. Yeah. Because like one of the biggest like campaigns that have gone on forever is that it gets better, but sometimes it can be better sooner. And letting people know that you're you don't have to wait until you're an adult and have a miserable childhood you know find the joy where you can in the meantime and if you are in a situation where you do have like the negative aspects then obviously that's something that has to be like ventured around but you can have joy and small moments as well yeah 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 i absolutely agree you know and um and you know you know i don't know how far this podcast is getting right now but i I know that um just listeners that we're not 
naive to the fact that, you know, there are some places and especially in the U.S., but all over the world where, um, you know, kids can be in in very grave danger for coming out as not straight and cis. Um, and uh, so we, we recognize that, too. And, you know, it's not always easy for people to to get material that is important to them. But um, so we're just talking kind of in a, a more narrow way. But um, I agree. I think it I think things like Heartstopper and Schitt's Creek and, you know, I mean, there are even books uh, out there nowadays that I think can bring um, can bring that joy, can bring that hope uh, to people when they're trying to figure things out. Um, and I just I think that's just so important. I feel like, you know, for me, um, I've told you this, Ross, many times, I think at this point, um, but for me, if I'd had more aromantic, like any aromantic representation in my life, I think I would have figured myself out a lot sooner and kind of saved myself from a lot of, you know, internal pain that I've inflicted on myself just because of thinking, you know, I was wrong or I was broken or trying to force myself into this kind of narrow idea of who I thought I was, I was supposed to be. So, um, yeah, I'm, I just, I feel, I feel grateful that these things are kind of coming out and we're having more open conversations about things because I, I really think it's going to help. I think it, I think it can help a lot of people. Yeah. I feel like the more, the more variety and quantity of representation that is out there, the more people that will be exposed to it. And I agree with you in the sense that I recognize in a lot of parts of the world that people are killed for coming out as any variation of things. And while I know that it's true, every time I see it, it's just mind boggling to me. It's kind of the same way I feel about racism. I'm like, it's 2022. How are we still dealing with the same issues from 50 and a hundred years ago? Um, but obviously I know it's a reality. It's just one that I just can't wrap my head around because I just could not care less about all of those details of people. And so for the fact that people fixate it to the point where they're willing to kill somebody over it just baffles me. Yeah. 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 I agreed. It just, it, just doesn't make sense to me how we haven't grown as as a society as a people you know as human beings all over the world how we haven't moved on you know from the way it used to be so it it's it's really sad i i have no background in any kind of education to discuss this so take everything that i say with a grain of salt (laughs) but i feel like People are a pretty big example of the fact that we don't tend to learn from our own individual mistakes. So I'm not super surprised that as a like entire humanity that we don't learn from our mistakes because people can't learn from their own personal ones. <laughs> That's true. You're very right. I, I agree. Uh, that doesn't make it okay. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make it okay, but it's it's just like one of those realistic things. I'm like, well, people make the same mistakes over and over again. And so as 
an entire planet were going to do the same thing. I mean, <laughs> Very true. I, I hope that one day there will be something that kind of tilts the scales the other direction. In the meantime, just anything that allows somebody to see themselves in any type of light, but hopefully a positive light, I think is beneficial to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seeing yourself at all, especially seeing yourself in, in a positive, joyful way is it, it absolutely, I totally agree with you, beneficial, but yeah, just seeing any type of representation. So, you know, and that's what I'm hoping this podcast can be, you know, where someone out there listening may not like understand what they're feeling or why they're feeling it or they're feeling like I'm alone in this uh these feelings um how many times can I say feelings (laughs) (laughs) um I you know they they maybe they listen to an episode and, and they connect with whatever somebody is saying whether or not it's specifically about them you know because as we said before everybody's experiences are different so there's no way we can speak for everybody and none of the guests I ever have on here are going to be able to speak for everybody but just hearing somebody talk about oh I've experienced something can hopefully help another person so that's that's the direction I'm hoping we're going to go with this podcast the on that same kind of subject matter one of the things too that I think Heartstopper did very well was all of the characters that were struggling with some variation of their sexuality, the people that they confided in, let them figure it out. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like in the world, especially when you're a child, at least whenever I was in high school, I feel like it was at least a weekly, if not daily basis of somebody trying to ask me if I was gay. Don't feel like you have to answer people. Don't let them force you to say anything before you're ready. And don't feel bad for outright lying to people if it's what you need to do to keep yourself sane and safe. Because it's nobody's business until you want it to be. Absolutely. Yes. Very, you know, say it again for the people in the back because (laughs) that is so true. It's, it's your decision when to come out, if you come out at all, that, you know, if you're in the closet or um, if you're not out yet, then that doesn't make you any less than what you are. You know, yeah. I, I, and that's something, you know, that's taken me a really long time to come to terms with, but um, just, yeah, I, I agree. A hundred percent agree. You know, it's, it's your journey and you need to do it in the way that feels best for you. And, you know, maybe you never come out and maybe you come out the second you realize that maybe it's involuntarily, you're just like, Oh, Hey, this is me. Um, but absolutely agree. It never let anyone force you into anything that doesn't feel right. Yeah. Everybody has their own pace. Um, a movie that I think is, really good for like the coming out experience is love simon because that one shows somebody struggling with it that is then outed it shows another person choosing to come out it shows somebody that's already out and kind of their experiences so i feel like that one for the coming out experience 
shows a very good variety in one film about what that can be like for everybody. Yeah, I've heard that about that movie. I, I, I've never watched it. Um, I guess I got to get on that because that sounds pretty incredible. Yeah, it's uh, the it's not ideal for the person that's outed. But yes. <laughs> the way that he handles this, the, the scene where he handles his interaction with the person that outed him is a very kind of powerful scene in a lot of ways. And it shows him like standing up for himself because the, without getting into too much detail about the actual movie, the person that outed him was really just trying to deflect attention from their own embarrassing situation Mm -hmm. by moving the attention to somebody else. But it has very like groundbreaking effects on his life. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that sounds pretty powerful. I mean, definitely got to add that to my list. Whenever I, my brain will allow me to sit down for and watch <laughs> an like a full a movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, it has a happy ending. <laughs> but but it, it shows a variety of experiences, which I think is good. It also has um, um, not the most racially diverse cast, but it does have some diversity in it, especially the main cast. Like, it's not all just a bunch of white people, even though the main character is white. Yeah. So, which is an important thing nowadays. And, I mean, it was important before, but you can't change what happened. You can only kind of make the changes moving forward. So I I enjoy that they're really starting to make those efforts. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, um, I think we're... I'm I don't have any other I've got one other question for you but is there anything else you want to say or tell listeners about or, or anything else um not really I, I just want to kind of drive home the point everybody's experience is going to be different um whatever you do see on any type of media don't feel like that has to be your experience also don't let people discredit you for your experiences Uh, for anybody that's specifically part of the gay community that is young and coming into it like any community it is not always the most accepting there's a lot of negativity in every aspect just find the people that have the same values and you will be so much better for it, but also have realistic expectations that sometimes people are just dicks. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Very well said. Gay or straight. (laughs) Uh, Yes, very true. Um, Well, you know, final question, ultimate question. How many times have you watched Heartstopper since the first time? (laughs) (laughs) Um... I do not have a specific answer because I don't know. Um, I would say at least at this point, it's in the five or six range. The The funny thing about it is my husband watched it first and was trying to get me to watch it. But unlike Sarah, I don't like to sit down for television shows. I would rather <laughs> sit down for a movie and be done with the entire plot in an hour and a half. I don't want the commitment of having to watch seasons. <laughs> and so I kind of, you know, dug in my heels a little bit. 
but I watched it and I think the first time we watched it we watched it in two days like half and then half and then like the third day I rewatched the whole thing because I was home by myself and it's only like six hours total um and then I've just kind of periodically watched it (laughs) off and on over the time also Uh, for anybody that enjoys music it has a terrific soundtrack it does absolutely agreed um well I love that a lot yeah I I think I'm I'm nearing five rewatches so you know I'm I'm with you on that one I it's just one of those shows you can't help but rewatch all the time so I get it 100 percent, and it's um i'm like i don't have them very often but days where i want to just be lazy it's a great little like oh just sit down for several hours watch something feel good (laughs) at the end of it and then kind of move on yeah haven't watched it highly recommend it they're also um confirmed for seasons two and three yes so if you if you're like me and have commitment issues with shows just know that (laughs) And if you're somebody that is interested in the concept of it, but doesn't necessarily want to watch a show, it originates as a graphic novel. So you could actually read it as well. Yes, um, there's multiple volumes to it, but I read the first one recently and it's they're very quick. You get through them 10 minutes max because it's mostly illustration. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, I think that the first season is actually volumes one and two of the actual graphic novel combined. Yes. I, I think I read that in, like, an article somewhere. That's what I believe as well. I mean, the, the way the first one ended, I think uh, I think you're correct that it, the, se- the first season has to go into uh, volume two. So definitely um, there are options there for you to get your Heartstopper fix. Um, you can find me uh, on Instagram at Small Town Sarah Reads for recommendations. If you've watched it, you know a dozen times, you read all the graphic novels, and you need something um, close to it, I've got some recommendations that I've read recently that make me feel like Heartstopper did. So come find me on Instagram there. Um, and if you guys have, uh, you know, listened to this whole thing of me and Ross kind of rambling on about life and love and all of that good stuff i want to give you guys a huge shout out very much thank you this is the longest episode yet and i'm very very excited by it um and don't forget to do all the things that you do you know rate review subscribe follow share uh so that i can keep doing this so i can bring more people on with more uh experiences and uh just keep having fun and friends as i always say Just keep reading.